The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley Sal. Former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review, talk of champions in iTunes. When you do, leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and a food of 247 Sports. Today's guest on Talk of Champions, because baseball season, around the corner, we know the schedule now, is Peyton Chatagnier, Ole Miss second baseman. He's coming up in about 30 minutes or so. Right now, it's Bradley Sal. Hey, buddy, what's up? What's up, Ben? You fired up for some baseball? Oh, yeah. I'm excited about that. I don't know what the uh, – I did I did see something on the attendance policy that didn't, couldn't follow it enough to know whether or not we're going to get to go. But, um, yeah, I'm excited, man. I mean, we've got a, got a good team coming back. Um, you know, obviously lost two really good guys, but we, I think we, we added a couple good ones as well. So – um, yeah, it should be, it should be a fun, a fun year. Hopefully they can, they can play this season. Reported on this last week when Keith Carter was on the podcast. I think that was last week. Was that last week? Whenever Keith Carter was on the podcast, he mentioned 25% capacity. So if you've been listening to this podcast for the last couple of weeks, today came as no surprise to you. We're recording on a Wednesday. You're listening on Thursday, but we're recording on Wednesday. So today came as no surprise to you that 25% capacity is what was set for Ole Miss for Swayze Field. Maybe it grows as the year goes on. I actually asked Peyton Chatagnier about that very issue. If it changes anything for them on the field, how they feed off that energy with few fans in attendance. And long story short, yeah, it does. It matters because Ole Miss has a very unique home field advantage. One of the very few teams, maybe only 10 teams in the entire country, that have the type of advantage, home field advantage that Ole Miss has. So 25% capacity, it's a bummer, but at least it's some fans. And in baseball, considering that 10,000 people is a full stadium, that 25%, considering how passionate Ole Miss fans are, can ultimately sound so much louder. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that just stinks, man. I mean, when you think about some of the great Ole Miss memories, Ole Miss, you know, 
big, big baseball moments. Um, some of the big home runs that have happened over the years. I mean, it's just, gosh, I mean, you just, it's going to suck. That that's not going to be, be the environment this year. Um, you know, I, I just think, unfortunately it's good. This is going to drag out for, for most of 2021 as well. So, um, yeah, it'd be nice to have, have that stadium rock and have the energy, you know, where it normally is. And I mean, gosh, it, it hurts. It hurts. Not, um, you not having a full Ole Miss baseball. I mean, it's almost going to be two years without really getting experience, um, you know, what Ole Miss baseball is all about. So, um, yeah, it's a super unfortunate. Ole Miss opens the year Friday, February 19th in a tournament in Arlington, Texas. As you're listening to this on this Thursday, supposed to talk to Mike Bianco and others involved in that tournament about what Ole Miss should expect. I think it's Big 12 and SEC teams participating. And then the home opener for Ole Miss is Tuesday, February 23rd against Arkansas State. So for the first time, Ole Miss baseball, after the disappointment of last year, will be back in less than a month. Yes, they lost Anthony Servideo. Yes, they lost Tyler Keenan. But they returned everybody else. Doug Nikhazy, Gunnar Hoagland, Derek Diamond leading the weekend rotation. Some big bats like Tim Elko had a breakout year. It's time for Ole Miss baseball, and it's time to see this team pick up where it left off and hopefully get to Omaha. Because Omaha, for Ole Miss, it's the ever-evasive destination. Got there in 2014 for the first time since the 70s. This team is the best shot in years. Last year's team, it felt like a foregone conclusion that they were going to Omaha. It's going to be interesting to see how they replace Anthony Servideo. Leadoff hitter, shortstop. Jacob Gonzalez is going to start at shortstop, true freshman, probably. Peyton Chatagnier on this podcast today, likely to lead off. Tyler Keenan was one of the most accomplished hitters in Ole Miss baseball history. So that middle-of-the-order presence is gone. But so many arms for this Ole Miss baseball team and so much upside in the lineup. Can Kevin Graham keep going after his strong fall? Can Tim Elko keep it up? Does Jacob Gonzalez hit? Does Hayden Leatherwood take another step? There are so many things that are fascinating to follow in the weeks to come for Ole Miss baseball, but I can't wait. I felt robbed, as all of you did, as fans, y'all all felt robbed. I felt robbed because I was excited booking my ticket to go to Omaha and cover Ole Miss baseball in the College World Series again. For me, back in 2014, that was one of my favorite trips on this beat that I've ever taken. It was incredible. And Ole Miss baseball deserves another opportunity in Omaha and a real chance to go win it. And they got the arms, if they get there, to get through that grind. So I'm excited. I'm excited to get it going. Ben, who do you think, if you had to guess this year, who's the, who's the next Peyton Shatney? Who's the, who's the, um, the breakout player that people aren't, um, that may be you know, overlooking a little bit? Who, who could be that next guy, you think? The problem is, Everything, for the most part, is settled. Justin Bench will probably start the year in center field. Hayden Leatherwood and Kevin Graham will probably be in the outfield corners. First base, Kel Baker or Kemp Alderman. That's a guy. That's who I was thinking. I'm pretty, I'm pretty hyped about him. The stuff I've been reading on him, he looks like, like an absolute slugger. I mean, there's people that are saying he's um, you know, Brian Petway-ish. Which which would be um, which would be huge for Ole Miss baseball. I mean, I, I just think every year there's always a kid that that comes out of nowhere that that turns out to be a huge contributor. I'm excited to see who that is. Uh, it'd be nice if it was Kemp. 
Kemp's a good candidate for that. Every single player or coach you talk to can't help but rave about the power of this kid hitting home runs at distances that they've never seen before. I'm not trying to overhype the guy because contact in this league, making consistent contact, it's tough. Laying off jump pitches, spitting on them, just hunting fastballs, it's easier said than done. But if he does make contact, good contact, there's no telling where the ball could go because his hard hit rate is unlike anybody else on the team and maybe one of the best in the country. But since there are so few spots available for a breakout candidate, the guy you have to go with is Jacob Gonzalez, the freshman stepping in at shortstop. And he's the one that played it all in the fall, compared favorably by Mike Clement to Gray Kessinger. And if Ole Miss gets that, a Gray Kessinger who, in his first year, didn't hit at all, but Jacob Gonzalez more advanced in year one at the plate than Gray Kessinger, Ole Miss will take it because that means there is no single hole that you can point to in the lineup. Of course, who establishes themselves as that consistent, everyday, middle-of-the-order hitter, that's going to be one to follow because there are a lot of candidates. But Tim Elko, if he stays course like he did in the Northwoods League in the summer and then had another good fall, maybe now Tim Elko is at that point where we should just assume he's going to produce. But it took a long time for him to get there. The pitching is the thing that no matter what, that's always going to be there. Who do you think takes that next step? Who, um, who's kind of like, remember, I mean, you go on, going into last year, you look at Servidio, nobody, no, everybody thought he was a good player, but nobody thought he was going to come out and do what he did. I mean, that'd be crazy to even think anybody predicted that. My question is who does that this year? I mean, I'm thinking of, uh, if I'm looking at it, I'm thinking maybe Hayden Dunhurst, you know, steps up and, and gets the bat going on maybe a little bit quicker than he did last year. Um, does John Rice contr- contribute? Does he, does he become a contact hitter? And, um, you know, have a chance to use his you know, use his legs and speed on the bases. You know, I think if he puts the ball in play um, rather than to kill it, you know, he could be a be a huge um, asset for us as well in a fill in role. My first guy would be Kevin Graham. Follows a lot like Anthony Servidio, left handed hitter, right left handed hitter, and Servidio couldn't hit left handers. And then he had the breakout junior year and ended up being a third-round pick of the Baltimore Orioles in the 2020 MLB draft last June. Kevin Graham has been a situational hitter his entire Ole Miss career. Remember how good he was as a freshman? Ten home runs as a freshman? A sophomore year that, by all accounts, ask any coach, they'll tell you the truth. He was a disappointment. But in the fall, he was a monster. If he shows up, that Kevin Graham shows up, like Tim Elko did. He had a great fall, and he parlayed that into a breakout season. And he's continued that for an entire calendar year now. If it's Kevin Graham this time around, the sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. He just has to hold his own against left-handers. And to his credit, in the fall, he did, including a home run against Doug Nikhazy, which is hard to do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, there's there's some real pop potential in this lineup. I mean, if you look down the down the lineup, there are quite a few guys that can absolutely stroke, especially if some of these guys take the next step. Um, I think I think this lineup could be absolutely. I think I think it'd be one of those type of lineups that lead the nation in home runs. Hey, they did it last year, number one or two. I can't remember where exactly they finished, 
but the top three, one of the top three teams, I think it was number one in the country in home runs hit. So I think that they can do that again. Of course, removing Anthony Servideo and Tyler Keenan, your top two hitters from the lineup, there's going to be some type of drop-off. But I don't think it's going to be so significant that you really notice it all that much. Because I think Peyton Chatagnier slides in pretty seamlessly as the leadoff hitter. The one thing he doesn't do as well as Anthony Servideo did is steal bases. That's the only knock against him. Because the contact... The power potential, it's all there for Peyton Chatagnier. But Kenya still bases. But Ole Miss last year didn't really steal all that many bases outside of Servideo. Why did they not steal bases? Because they were hitting bombs. They didn't want to run into any outs. They didn't want to give defenses any opportunity to get them out on the base pass. Didn't want to run into any outs. Because every single guy, it seemed, in the lineup, except for Justin Bench was a home run threat. I do like your pick, though, of Hayden Dunhurst stepping up because he did some good things offensively. Defensively, he's already a Major League Baseball talent. Easy. He's going to be a high draft pick next year. He's he's got it all. Cannon of an arm. Pop time is elite, elite. But the contact, the consistent contact, bringing some power along with him, the power for him plays, he's just got to stay within his approach because if he makes contact, it's hard contact. He showed that in the fall. He showed that last yeah. year when he actually did make contact. So I think he could end up being a guy that starts maybe fifth or sixth in the lineup and then by the end of the year has moved up to third or second. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, he the only, only thing is I wish, you know, for a guy like him, you know, getting getting those at-bats for the rest of the season. With the season getting canceled last year, I think it would have been really invaluable for him to get all those, you know, SEC plate appearances. Um, but, you know, obviously he had a whole a long time to, to get better at the plate and, um, you know, continuously to, to grow. But I, I do wish he would have had a full freshman year to kind of get, you know, some experience in, in that realm. So that'll be interesting to see what um, how he looks at the plate, if he's grown a little bit or whatever. But, but traditionally coming out, I mean, when he was being recruited, I mean, he was he was a very good hitter. You know, he's a very good hit and catcher when he was being recruited. So it's not like he's traditionally struggled with the bat. So. Um, yeah, I think he'll be um, – I look for him to be a, a pretty solid player this year. Do you want to make a way-too-early prediction for Ole Miss baseball in 2021? I mean, I'd like to see him. You know, I'd like to see, but I, but it, it, it's hard not to say Ole Miss won't be one of the top teams, you know, potentially going to Omaha just because of the pitching rotation, man. I mean, if you give me anything, if you give me three good starters from the SEC and not just good, I'm talking three – potential first round to you know third round type picks i mean it'd be hard to bet against Ole miss um you know especially with as good as this pitching is going to be so um the bats are going to be there as well i think so i mean i i i'd be shocked if we if we didn't finish you know right around where we started at least you know top five potentially going to omaha i'll tell you this for the players and the coaches it's omaha or bust they believe themselves to be that good of a group And they're carrying that arrogance about them that you have to have in baseball. You have to be arrogant because in baseball, you're going to fail far more often than you're going to succeed. And this team, last year, its arrogance was one of its strongest assets. And I don't think that that's going to go away with this team. With guys like Peyton Chatagnier, his personality is so big. And I think that matters. I think that really does matter for a group 
that's going into the year with high expectations, with a tough schedule. The SEC is good, but they believed last year that they were going to win every single game they played. And to their credit, they did, after dropping the season opener to number one Louisville, they won 16 straight. They just believed they were going to keep rolling all the way to Omaha. All the way to Omaha. According to Division I Baseball, Ole Miss is number six in the country. That's about right. In the top 25. Um, that's about where you see them. I'm trying to find out if there are any other polls that came out that I've missed, but that's the one that sticks out. You expect Ole Miss to start early in the top five and potentially climb to the top team overall if they perform in any way like they did through 17 games last year. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think you can certainly expect that. I mean, the talent's there. Um, I'm with you. I think I, I didn't want to go as far as saying Omaha or bust, but yeah, it's, I think it's an Omaha or bust year. I mean, it's almost baseball has got to break through at some point. We've had multiple talent teams or talented teams over the years. Um, we've got, we've gotten to Omaha once, but I mean, this team right here is absolutely loaded, man. You have a, you have a pitching rotation um, where, where your midweek guy would start for a lot of SEC teams. So um, I mean, yeah, and, and not to mention the pop, the bat, the pop and the bat's going to be there. Yeah, this is this is a team that certainly should come out with a lot of confidence and perform and um, and be one of the top teams in the nation. We'll get right back to Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, eight-year NFL vet with Peyton Chatagnier, Ole Miss infielder coming up on the Modern Woman phone line after I tell you briefly about Cheney's Pharmacy, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. A new year is here, and you want to put your best foot forward. The only way to do that is to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, that you're keeping yourself safe, that your pharmacy is one you can trust. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years, as red and blue as the rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down. It's not close. So give Cheney's a call. 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at Cheney'sPharmacy.com. Make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy. Much more than just a pharmacy. Starting this edition of Talk of Champions with 15, 16 minutes about Ole Miss baseball. Wow. It's been all football for months on end here, Brad. And here we are getting amped up for baseball. Not going to dive too much into basketball, but a big win for Ole Miss basketball going to Mississippi State and blowing out the in-state rival to snap a three-game losing streak for Ole Miss. They had to have it. Seven wins now on the year. Two wins and six tries in the SEC. But one thing I wanted to note before we move on to some other matters, some football matters that we need to touch on. Kermit Davis is a stubborn coach. They all are. But Kermit's not going to run from that. He'll tell you he's stubborn to his system, his 1-3-1 that he himself originated and mastered, and now LSU and other teams are emulating that. His offense has always been the same. And his substitution patterns can be a little quick-triggered. 
He can get fed up with a player really fast, and he'll yank him. And sometimes that can lead to players playing a little tight. Bryce Williams transferred to Oklahoma State. He actually mentioned that in a story in November, the sub-patterns playing to him a little mentally, getting in his head a little bit. He was always looking over his shoulder. So against Mississippi State in Starkville, it was a noticeable change. I asked Kermit about it twice, and he wouldn't straight up admit it. But his top four starters, four starters out of five, because the, it would have been five if not for Romello White getting into foul trouble. So the first four starters in that game played the first nine minutes up until the media timeout at around 11 minutes. And then after that, he mass subbed with Matthew Morrell, Robert Allen, Demencio Vaughn, and Sammy Hunter, who we haven't seen since it feels like December, Christmas. Devontae Shuler was the only holdover of the starters. And that unit, fresh off the bench, knowing they were going to get full running time, regardless of what happened, if they messed up, went on a 12-2 run that gave Ole Miss a lead that it would never give up. I got to applaud Kermit for that. I got to applaud him because he had restraint, true restraint. And it takes a lot for a coach as tenured and successful Throughout his time as a head coach at Middle Tennessee, now Ole Miss, just looking back, he's been in this business a long time to look at this team and say, I'm going to try something different because that might be what this team needs. Demencio Vaughn, he wanted to get him in the game. The reason why Demencio hadn't been playing is because of his inability to guard on the balls. Too many times when he'd go into the game, he'd match up with a guard or a wing they take him off the dribble, drive right by him, make a layup, and after that, first sub opportunity, Demencio was out. And he probably wouldn't see the court again. No more playing time for the rest of the game. This time, Demencio got 14 minutes, tied for a season high. And he was one of eight Ole Miss Rebels with at least three rebounds. That's what it's supposed to look like. Because if you look at the offensive numbers, Outside of Devontae Shuler, who was 8 of 13 from the floor, Ole Miss was the same as it's been all year. Still pretty inefficient, but they scored 64 points and held Mississippi State to 46. The fewest in the rivalry since 1996. The fewest Ole Miss has allowed since 2004 overall. And you can't tell me that that shift in sub-patterns for Kermit Davis, didn't play a big part. So I just wanted to touch on that because if a formula has been found for this team, the schedule sets up for real opportunity for Ole Miss to turn it around. By winning at Mississippi State, Ole Miss got its first quad one or quad two win and moved from the 80s in the net, the NCAA net rankings, which decides who goes to the NCAA tournament, into the 60s. These games are critical, and the schedule sets up for Ole Miss if it's found a formula to make a run. But I wanted to touch on some football stuff. Your boy, Joe John Finley, tight ends coach for Ole Miss. He's gone. He's left to go to Oklahoma. David Johnson, my coworker at the Ole Miss Spirit, he was all over this. He told you it was coming if you sub at the Ole Miss Spirit. This was no surprise to you. He's been telling you it was coming. It happened. How big of a loss in your estimation is it losing Joe John Finley? 
Um, well, so Joe John was one of the coaches. Um, I obviously have some, spent some time with Lebby. Um, Joe John being one of the other coaches I spent some time with in the offseason. Great guy. Um, I do know this. Him and Lebby are very, very tight. They were teammates at Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, I, I think this, I think this is a, a bigger loss than people realize. I mean, obviously a tight ends coach can be replaced, but if you ever watch some of the game day operations, it looked like Joe John was, was very involved. I think it's a guy that, that Levy has a lot of trust in, um, you know, obviously with them having a, a big, big history, big pass, but at this end of the day, man, Joe John returned to a school that he played at. Um, so there's, I mean, you really can't be mad at that. I mean, I try to put myself in his shoes and, you know, if I'm out coaching, you know, Oklahoma and Ole Miss calls, well, well I'd much rather go back to Ole Miss. You know, if, if, if a team means something to you, can't fault him for that. So it looks like he's getting, you know, a better title there as well. So um, hate to lose him. He's a hell of a recruiter, hell of a guy. He's played in the NFL for a little while, so he's kind of got that um, that experience under his belt. And he can, you know, he's just a cool dude, so he, he can recruit well because he's a little bit younger. So, um, yeah, it, 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 I think it's a big loss for Ole Miss, but um, at the end of the day, we'll have to replace him and move on. And um, you know, you hate to see him go, but he does get to return to his to his alma mater, which is which is pretty sweet. That's a really good point. Two of the losses for Lane Kiffin, as far as his staff in this off season, both returned to their alma mater. Blake Gideon went back to Texas. Joe John Finley went back to Oklahoma. Now we had heard rumblings that there were going to be some staff changes in the offseason. But you can't really blame guys like that for going home. Deke Adams was the only true move coaching change that Lane Kiffin made. He fired him. Now, Jeff Levy could have been a loss, but fortunately, Keith Carter stepped up and extended him and is now paying him $1.2 million a year. That had to happen. Replacing Joe John Finley it will be easier said than done for one reason, the recruiting aspect of it. You touched on it. He's an absolute ace in Texas. But Lane Kiffin has proven that he's going to go out and he's going to land guys that are proficient, strong recruiters to get it done. So yes, it is disappointing. And Joe John is a boy of Jeff Levy. But one name that David Johnson is reporting as of Wednesday, that could be a potential replacement is Clint Trickett, formerly Florida State, West Virginia quarterback, served as tight ends coach at Florida Atlantic under Lane Kiffin in 2015. When Kiffin departed for Ole Miss, Trickett was promoted to co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach at FSU, or FAU, excuse me, under Willie Taggart. That could be a potential fit for a number of reasons, not the least of which his recruiting territory. He was an assistant formerly at East Mississippi. He knows the area. That would be a potentially good hire. Defensive line coach. It feels like there's only two names. We could be completely blindsided, but that's not the style of Lane Kiffin. He's about identifying his guy, interviewing him, and hiring him. Never really a drawn-out process for Lane Kiffin when he's hiring coaches. But only two names are you really hearing right now. Jeremy Brumball, formerly of Tennessee, and Marquise Watson, who replaced Deke Adams after he was fired following the regular season for the Outback Bowl. And Ole Miss put together one of its very best, if not its best, performances from its defensive line under his tutelage for that game. 
So that's where it feels like it's leading. But when should we expect coaching stuff to be done? Is there a timeline? Um, I mean, back in the back in the day when that whenever the signing period was, um, you know, later in the year, I think it was important to get it done right away. But you know, a lot a lot of the signing classes in place. Um, you know, I think they they have time um, to find the, the find their guy. But uh, certainly, you would want someone to come in here pretty soon and um, you know, kind of get to know his guys, get there, get kind of acclimated before spring ball start. Yeah, you, you would look for this guy to get in, kind of learn his players, kind of you know really get up to speed with the language of the offense. Probably needs at least to be a month or two before spring ball. So it um, looks like Lane's going to move pretty quickly on it. The um, the Clint trick that would be that'd be interesting. I mean he's he's only twenty nine years old and he's um, you know obviously he's he's not um, yeah I remember him as a player. It's kind of kind of crazy how how quickly people can shoot up the coaching ranks nowadays. So. I might be interested to see that, especially with them having Mississippi ties playing in East Mississippi, so we'll kind of know the areas and stuff. So um, I'm sure whoever it picks, um, Lane's going to make a good decision and, and someone that, that fits in pretty well. College football coaching has become a younger man's game. Just look at George Hilo, former Ole Miss defensive back and special teamer. He's moved up so quickly. He's now at Michigan with Harbaugh. Bryce Brown. Oh, yeah. Brian Brown. I said Bryce Brown. Excuse me. Brian Brown. He's now the defensive coordinator at Louisville. You get in Lanier Gothy. He's at Duke coaching linebackers. It feels like if you get in, when you get in, you can't advance quickly. It used to not be that way. It used to take you a long time. You used to have to drop down. But now, guys like Marcus Watson, for example, maybe you get in an off-the-field role. But if you're good in that role, you can get the permanent job. There are ways now to show your worth outside of just being a yes man in a grad assistant role and doing all the dirty work. If you can help and you're a rising star, you will be found. Trey Scott's a good example of that. He was a GA under Hugh Freeze. He's now the Georgia defensive line coach. He went to North Carolina, then came back, then was hired to Georgia. There are ways for you to quickly climb the ranks in college football if you're a coach because it is a young man's game. If you've got some experience and knowledge in the game, if you played a long time, even if you're a backup quarterback, but in those rooms, if you've got good ideas, you're going to be found. You will be found. And that's why it's fun to watch the game kind of move. You're not seeing the retread coaches all that much. Rich Rodriguez was one time almost hired as the head coach of Alabama. One of the most successful coaches in college in the early 2000s. He was the hottest name. What he did at West Virginia was revolutionary with Pat White and Steve Slayton. Mm -hmm. Then he goes to Michigan, which was a bad fit. But he was supposed to go to Alabama. That probably would have been a bad fit too. But he was ahead of his time in terms of his concepts. And now Rich Rodriguez is the offensive coordinator at Louisiana Monroe under Terry Bowden, retreads aren't getting the second, third, fourth opportunities anymore. They're getting yeah. ULM. It's a young man's game. Yeah. You look at a guy like Sean McVay, I mean, Cliff Kingsbury, I mean, those guys have kind of kind of changed the the view for owners. Um, you know, that, that, that younger name, you know, younger, funner guy kind of that can see more eye to eye with this generation, I think, is, is what a lot of owners have started to see. I mean, you look at a guy like, 
like Kellen Moore, Joe Brady. I mean, Kellen Moore is, I mean, he's being interviewed for the Eagles right now. And we, we came into the NFL together. I think we were the same sounding class. Um, so that's, that's a pretty fast track. And on top of that, Joe Brady getting interviewed as well. I think Joe Brady's around my age or maybe a year younger. So, um, yeah, those, those are certainly really fast tracks and it, they can certainly be done, done now, nowadays, especially if you, um, you know, show some success or show some signs of some creativity and you have, have the personality that attracts people to. You know, what started this trend, Sean McVay. Oh, 100%. Yeah, the young cat going in, having the success immediately. It just showed you don't have to have all the experience in the world coaching or be a, a head coach somewhere and get your feet wet and then rise through the ranks. No, if you've got good ideas, you will be found. And Sean McVay, he kind of set that standard. Yeah. You know what? You know, another thing about the younger coaches, and, and this is no knock to the older coaches out there. There's a lot of great coaches that are still winning, but – some of these younger coaches, they kind of understand how to structure the the practice and the date or, you know, there's so many, there's so many football ways that are just, you know, so old school and so stuck in the old way. Sometimes it drains your players mentally. Some of these new or younger coaches have came in and implemented new practice rules, new, you know, new schedules that, that a lot of players respond to. And if you look at um, someone like Pete Carroll, the reason why Pete Carroll was so successful, you can go look this up. He eventually bought into the, the younger generation, the younger science. And he, he made he makes it so fun in Seattle. He really adjusts that schedule based off modern day science, and he's changed his whole. You know, USC used to be some tough practices. Used to be a, a really tough tough get for for Pete. You know, he made it really tough there. But he's kind of he's kind of caught on. You know, some of these older coaches really they don't they don't have the pride that Pete has to to change the schedule and then kind of you know make it a, a younger younger man's generation. So that's why Pete's been so successful up in Seattle and it's it's you know mainly because he's he's learned how to structure practices and and take care of his players a little bit better than some of these older coaches do that's a great point the days of running your players into the ground with seven hour practices having them beat on each other constantly they do that in the games Lane Kiffin his practices are really light he's one of those guys that bought into that and analytics do play a part the science does play a part yeah Meanwhile, Ed Orgeron, in a rain delay, had y'all practicing. It's a little bit different. Speaking of, Ryan Nielsen has removed himself from the defensive coordinator position. Happened quickly. We posted the podcast, and then after it was all but done, he was headed to LSU, pulled back. He's staying with the Saints. Good for you, Ryan. You didn't want to walk into that dumpster fire. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's it's, uh, it's something that makes them – tells me that the saints probably valued him a little bit. Um, obviously the, the D line has performed very well since he's been there. So something tells me Sean Payton was like, Hey, I'll, you know, raise you do something. But, um, you know, or had a talk with him and said, Hey, you realize you, you're stepping away from a pretty good situation here. Do you really want to step into that situation? So, um, if I had to guess the compensation isn't much different, um, you know, in those two roles and they could easily, you know, probably match what LSU was offering him to be a defensive coordinator. So um, good for him. I mean, maybe he's in line to get a, you know, defense coordinator job in the NFL. So um, something was said, something was said that that stopped that or, or, or something along those lines. Doesn't render the point I was trying to make on Tuesday moot. Ed Orgeron has never changed. He's never changed. 
it's not going to end well. I don't want to get back into that. I want to touch on something before we jump to Peyton Chatney. If you haven't already subscribed, break review, talk of champions and iTunes. Also, leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify, just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports. So the 18 newcomers, the early enrollees out of 25 or whatever it is, the final number, were announced as walk-ons, including DeAndre Prince, former scholarship cornerback, dropped down a level, first reported by the Ole Miss Spirit because I got it from Johnny Brown, his cousin. He was going to come back to Ole Miss. He is now back at Ole Miss. He's a walk-on announcement, as is Western Kentucky transfer wide receiver Jacor Pearson. Ole Miss still has four scholarships available. What do you make of that? Yeah, so I, I put some thought into that. I did see that reported. And, um, you know, as far as the wide receiver from Western Kentucky, you start with him. Um, it is surprising that that he agreed to be a walk-on. But if you think about it, okay, um, He's getting a he's he's getting provided a platform to to showcase his skills if he wants to you know if he thinks he has a chance to go pro well why not come do an SEC so it, it's it's somewhat of a trade off man I mean it, it sucks that he he isn't going to be on scholarship but something tells me it's one of those hey as soon as one frees up if you prove to be a good contributor we'll we'll find a way to to take care of you so. Um, at the same time, the Ole Miss is, pro- is providing this kid with an SEC platform to showcase his skills. So at the end of the day, you have to do what you have to do. Um, he's obviously probably already graduated from Western Kentucky or, you know, it's pretty close to it. So sometimes you bet on yourself and you say, you know what, I don't mind paying that last year of college to get a chance to to go to the NFL and showcase my skills. And, you know, if, they, if that turns out and I'm making millions of dollars because I was was able to do so, I, I have no issue paying for that last semester of college. So. Um, yeah, the more I thought about it, I th- that's kind of where I was on that. Two things for me. One, it could be a strategy. This is a complete assumption on my part, so please don't take this as Ben's reporting anything. But keeping the four scholarships open allows them to attack what might be other needs, like, for example, tight end. Because I think I'm right on this. In the summer, because Fabian Lovett and Jerry and Jones – both signed, bound to LOIs, even though the kids weren't bound to the school, the school was bound to them. Those two scholarships, I think, come free in June. So Pearson could be in line to get one of those. So could Prince. Just wait, and that's when you'll go on scholarship. That could be part of the thinking just to keep the flexibility. Secondly, there are so many kids in the transfer portal that a lot of kids that are definitely talented enough that have the talent, they're going to have to settle for being walk-ons. Just because you got into the portal does not mean that you're just going to go from Ole Miss to Alabama, Ole Miss to Mississippi State, Ole Miss to Texas Tech, and become a star somewhere else. I've told this story before, but last year, when Grant Tisdale got into the portal, it was a very, very frozen market. Two lower-level schools were his only offers, and he had to drop down a level to keep playing football. Fortunately, Lane Kiffin showed up, and it gave him new life, but he still didn't play a quarterback. He's back in the portal. But that's part of what you're dealing with. It's a buyer's market in the portal. They do not have to give you a scholarship. And for them, 
They view you as damaged goods, many of you as damaged goods. If you couldn't work out there, why would you work out here? Unless you're a Jacor Pearson who got out and produced and want to go to another level. But if he stays as a walk-on, still proves the point. Because for Ole Miss coaches and for coaches around the country, it's always about the next guy. The shiny new toy is always more appealing than the one that's rusting and gathering dust in the closet. Yeah, this th- these portals, I mean, I, I would say 95% of these guys are just Band-Aid guys, to be honest with you. I mean, if, if I'm a coach, I'm looking at a portal. I'm, I'm finding a guy. I'm only going there if I need, you know, if I'm a, if I'm a solid team and I need a – and I have a, a – a position of need that I think he can contribute, um, you know, that season. But for the most part, I would rather a young freshman that I can redshirt and and get into my program and have five, four, four or five years with this kid and make him the player that, um, that, that I think he can be and, and train him the way that, that, um, you know, fits the Ole Miss's program. When you go get these players from other schools, it's no different than NFL. When you switch teams, you know, mid season or right before the season, you already have your, you've already been, you've already had four years years where somebody or multiple years where somebody's already taught you techniques and it's very hard for you to come in with a new staff and learn their techniques and and do things the way the way that they want you to do i mean i happened to me multiple times in nfl where i had ways i thought were very good that i liked that i you know i'd learned and then all of a sudden you go with a new line coach and he hates it and he thinks that your way is not you know not good and he tries to change you it's just a it's just a, a conflict of interest the whole time so if i mean I, the portal's good and everything but if I'm a coach and I have a you know solid team, I'm finding me a young guy to develop um, much more so than I would to take a chance and waste a scholarship on a on a senior senior coming in just looking for unless he's just an absolute stud. But other than that, man, I mean I, I'm staying away from the portal other, unless it's a dire need. What is still for Lane Kiffin though if he gets DeAndre Prince and Jacor Pearson as walk-ons, assuming they stay that way going into August, because both of those guys could play meaningful minutes. Maybe even start. DeAndre Prince started games for Ole Miss as a true freshman. It's not out of the realm of possibility that both of those guys end up as starters potentially. Now, I'm much more skeptical on Prince, but you get my point. The fact that you can use them in this way and preserve your numbers, that's a heck of a steal. A job well done. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. He's Bradley Sal. It's time now to go to the Modern Women phone line. We talked about Ole Miss baseball to start the show. Well, it's time to hear from Peyton Chattanier. He knows about baseball better than any of us. He knows what to tell you about the ins and outs of Ole Miss baseball right now. But first, got to say bye to Brad. See you, buddy. See you, Ben. Howdy, toddy. Jumping now to Peyton Chattanier on the Modern Woodman phone line after we hear first from BNA Bank and Modern Woodman. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Are you tired of working nine to five for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. 
what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Ben on Twitter going now to the Modern Woodman Phone Line to speak to Ole Miss infielder Peyton Chatagnier. A repeat freshman because every single player, every student athlete in the spring, including baseball, got an extra year of eligibility by the NCAA. So as weird as it sounds, it's freshman Peyton Shatnia. Hey, buddy, what's up? How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm good. It is. It definitely is weird still being called a freshman, but I guess it's a good thing. Yeah, well, let's just say second-year Ole Miss baseball infielder Peyton Chatney. That sounds a little bit more... That sounds good. That yeah, sounds good. that works. What's going on right now over there? What are y'all doing? Uh, nothing too much, just like normal fielding and hitting. We don't have like a full on practice yet, but, uh, we're, at least we're getting back into things. We also, of course, lift, but. With Ant and now Tyler Keenan both gone, that void, it feels like is being filled by you and a number of other guys. Do you feel that? Do you feel like last year with your production as a freshman, just your personality, the outgoing nature of your personality, that leadership kind of your turn? Um, I mean, I hope guys would think I, they see me as a leader, but there's a lot of, lot of, uh, leaders on the team. Of course, Tim's our captain, but of course, if I can be uh, a help for anybody, then for sure, call me a leader. I would love to. So what have you seen so far, not just from the guys that are returning, which is pretty much everybody, but also the newcomers, what's it look like out there right now? Uh, I got it. I got to give it to them. I mean, the, the new freshmen, the actual freshmen are, have looked really, really well. Of course, uh, I work more, obviously, with the infielders, but even the pitchers. I think there's a lot of good um, young uh, freshman pitchers this year as well. So everything, everyone looks really, really good, seriously. Anybody in particular? Jacob Gonzalez had a really good fall. Some arms, big arms, showed out in the fall. Kemp Alderman hitting moonshots, I've heard. Anybody in particular, any moment in particular from a newcomer that really made you go, wow, this kid's got it? Uh, I mean, if I had to pick one person, I think, from the very first day when Jacob Gonzalez stepped on field, uh, you could tell he was going to be somebody. Of course, he's going to play this year. Um, but yeah, Kemp, uh, Kemp hits balls further than I've ever seen anybody hit a ball. So I don't know if it's that old country boy style or what, but he's got some pop. You're not the first person who said exactly that, <laughs> they, that Kemp Alderman hits balls further than anyone's ever seen before. How far are we talking here and how hard are we talking here? What's the hard hit rate for a Kemp Alderman, if you had to guess? I think I, I think the fastest I've seen personally, I think was one twelve in the cages. Oh God! One time, and we have seen him literally hit a ball out of the stadium to, to left field. It was uh, it was pretty ridiculous. Like if there was a parked car, how there there are sometimes uh, in practices and stuff, the car would have been hit. Oh it my was, God! It was, uh, what are you he, trying to do tough. differently this year? Is there anything in particular? Because you had that success. You had the contact. You even hit for some power. For you, what are you trying to add or what areas of your game are you trying to refine going into year two? For sure, um, like I've always played shortstop my whole life. So moving over to second, it's been a little bit of a, uh, a change. So I think 
fielding wise, it's getting um, comfortable playing second, turning two. I know me, Coach B, and Clem have really worked on that. Um, I'd also really like to be able to hit balls the other way a lot um, for more power. I think that was one of the things I struggled with last year. But basically, all my hits were middle or to the left side of the field. So if I could spread that out a little bit, that'd be really nice. So that's what I've been working on. How do you work on that? Is that something you do in the cage? Maybe work on going the other way and staying inside the ball? How do you work on that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's mainly just all cage work, whether it's off a tee or Coach Clem or uh, Coach Cleary, somebody throwing BP. But um, you just got to work on it a lot. It's one of those things that I've struggled with my whole life. So um, the more I can do it, the more I can practice it, then hopefully I'll get better at it. You brought it up. You've played shortstop your entire life, playing second base at Ole Miss. Now, there's an open position at shortstop with Ant being gone. And obviously, you were floated as a candidate from Clem to Mike. Whoever was coming on this podcast, you were floated as a candidate. But Jacob Gonzalez looks like could be the guy, the front runner right now. But is it still a competition in your mind? Uh, I think it'll always be a competition. I'm going to, you know, fight for a spot until Coach B finally says, look, <laughs> you're not a, you won't ever play there. But I got to give it to Jacob. I mean, Jacob had um, a really, really good fall, and he, he's shown that he can play over there. So. But yeah, I mean, I would love to think the the it's still up for, for grabs. Here's the thing. You're plus plus defensively at second base. That's okay, Peyton. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I just don't ever want to be satisfied, you know? I always want something to work towards. Okay. Yeah, you have the good freshman year. You don't want to just get <laughs> complacent. I get it. Okay, you're a team guy. But what are the personal goals for you? Because look, Ant being gone the obvious replacement to lead off is you. Does that change your approach at all, or do you stay within yourself, within what worked for you last year? Um, I don't think too much would change from the approach side of things. I think basically I think our approach for most guys and the whole team will be pretty much the exact same. Coach Clem has really preached on just hitting the fastball. And, um, I think that's what I've done the whole life, so I'll probably just keep doing that. I don't think I'm going to try to change too much there. It's such a criminal thing. Not y'all's fault, not anyone's fault, a pandemic hit, but 16-1, and one, when y'all got the news that it was over and Mike brings y'all in for the team meeting, what was it like in that room? Uh, it was unreal. I mean, Coach, Coach B, as, you can, as, y'all, as y'all have probably seen, he's um, a very tough you know, man. And uh, for, for the first time, I saw him kind of tear up, and that's when I knew it was it was real. Um, and especially at the time, cause we didn't know we were getting a, you know, another year back and things like that. So I felt bad for, you know, at the team, just because, you know, we were off to such a great season and things like that. But I really just felt so bad for those seniors because some of those guys we were sitting there thinking that was going to be their last time, you know, they ever get to play. So it was very sad for all of us. And obviously I wanted to keep playing. I think we had a real good chance to, to be a great, great team, but, just in the very beginning, I just felt so bad for those seniors. The one thing that came to mind when I heard about it, because I was on the road back from the SEC basketball tournament when everything was squashed, everything was canceled, including baseball, was that felt like a team that not only did it have the talent to make it to Omaha, but the belief was so ingrained. Y'all were confident, dare I say arrogant, that y'all, and I mean that in the most endearing way possible, that y'all are going <laughs> to get to Omaha, get to the College World Series, and win it all. You talk to Anthony Servideo, you talk to Tim Elko, Hayden Leatherwood, they weren't shy about it. They tell you straight up, we believed we were going to win a national championship because the group was that special. Did it feel like that to you? Yes, sir, 100%. Um, and when people ask me this, but, you know, obviously there were some, some freshman guys, John Rice, Ely, and things like that, where uh, we... <laughs> They would bring different, you know, 
attitudes and, and uh, excitement to the field like nobody else. But I think from the very beginning, when people ask me, I think it all came down to the seniors. And they're really just the older guys, juniors and seniors, how, how welcoming they were. And obviously, you know, me and Ant were real close, and he took me under his wings. But, you know, the older guys are inviting us to do whatever they were doing, and it was just a lot of fun. It felt like a real family. What did you pick up from Ant that now you're carrying into year two? Not just necessarily on the field, but off the field too. Um, I think the first thing is Anthony has a lot of confidence in himself, which is it's a good thing. Um, oh, well, because you're going to fail more than you're going to succeed in baseball. you got to be cocky. That's the hard thing about baseball, man. It's, it is definitely a game of failure. But, yeah, just the confidence. And he would, you know, he would coach me up on little fielding things. and um, But there are also just small things that I would learn. Um, he also taught me uh, I'm never supposed to have a hat on the bed because that's bad luck and no shoes on tables because that's bad luck so maybe that has something to do with his success with the fact that he was super uh, superstitious and stuff but his just confidence and the way he went about things it, i tried to mirror that and, and obviously it worked for him so wait 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 y'all aren't cliche as far as being baseball superstitious right come on now you know i try not to be there's certain things that i have to do but now that uh and it told me a couple things. I, I kind of mirror it too, but I'm not too, too bad. There's guys that are way worse than I am. We'll get right back to Peyton Chatney, Ole Miss infielder in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. It's a new year. 2020, that awful, awful year is behind us, thank goodness. And that means new beginnings. Maybe even a new car. Well, if you're in the market, there's only one place to go. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. They're going to take care of you, get you into your next vehicle with a great deal. Their inventory right now is priced to sell. And what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford is Brian and Mason and the rest of the staff. They aim to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. And when you go, make sure to mention that Talk of Champions sent you. These guys are hardcore Ole Miss fans. They're going to want to talk some Rebel Sports. But more importantly, they want to make the process as seamless as possible, that you get what you want at a good price. So contact them today at 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. That's where you got to go to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Okay, so if you fall into a slump, God willing you don't, but if you were to fall into a slump, what's the first thing you do superstitiously to try to turn it around? Um, I always change my batting gloves after not even just a slump. If I'm, if I go over that game, um, those batting gloves will basically never be worn again, maybe in the cages. I always think that has something to do with it. Um, I would definitely change my walk-up song because I think that has stuff to do with it. Um, nothing too, too crazy. I'm not one of those guys that has to do everything the exact same way from when they wake up, but I think my walk-up song, I would definitely change it, but for sure those batting gloves are getting thrown out. What are the options right now? What are you considering for walk-up song? That stuff matters. Man, I wish I knew. We had a cement art the other day, and I really didn't want to because I wasn't ready. I picked Nike Boots just because I thought it was a cool song, but I don't know exactly when I do, what I want to do. I almost want to post it on Instagram or something and just have somebody else pick it for me because it's just so – there's a million songs. Like, how am I supposed to pick just one song? But – so I don't know. But everyone has said I had the worst lockup song last year. So basically anything will be better than this year, than last year's. You could just simply ask me because it's not like I haven't thought about this. 
my entire life. Look, I played sports in high school. I wasn't any good. That's not supposed to be a brag. I sucked. But I've thought about what my walk-up song would be if I were an Ole Miss baseball player. You could have just asked me. I've got plenty of options for you. I, I Seriously, I'm open for anything. Number one, No Problem by Lil Scrappy. That's probably way too old for you. But I'm telling you. Yeah, I do not know what that song is. Exactly. But you're going to go listen to it after we get done with this podcast interview. And you're going to go, holy crap, Ben was right. Okay. You're going to get a lot of cred with the 30-year-old age group like me because they're going to go, oh, man, Peyton Chatney Retro, that's the man right there. Well, the thing that's so hard now is um, like every good song is on TikTok. So if I post a song or if I use the song, then they're going to be like, oh, he just got that from TikTok. Or you could just say, Ben Garrett told me during the interview to pick Lil Scrappy, No Problem, or Game Over by Lil Flip. I'm- you know, there are a lot of different options here. I don't know that song either. Oh, my God, Peyton. Come on, man. Well, see, now I've given you options, okay? And if you do happen to make Lil Scrappy No Problem your walkout song, that is going to be... um, For sure. Oh, my God. That's going to be... I'm going to tell everybody, like, you are living the dream for two. I'm just saying. (laughs) Okay, so back to the stuff that actually matters here. (laughs) Not not the walk-up songs. Hey, no, that's important. Seriously. It is. But... The chemistry between you and Jacob Gonzalez. You started to build it in the fall. You and Ant had such good chemistry, not just turning double plays, but understanding where each other was going to be, how each other moves. What about that with Jacob? Is that kind of translated? Yeah, I think so for sure. I mean, Jacob's um, a little different than me in the sense he's a very, very quiet guy. Super nice. I love Jacob. He's just not a – maybe it almost matches – it almost fits better that we don't have two – uh, super energetic, talkative guys. But yeah, me and Jacob have worked a lot in practice, so I think we'll be good in the in the season. Have y'all picked up as a team where you left off? Does this still feel like a continuation of what y'all were doing last year, or does it feel like a new team because Ant and TK aren't there? Um, I wouldn't say it feels like a whole new team, but I mean, we I don't know how many freshmen we added, but we added a lot of new guys. So it does, to a certain degree, feel like the same team because the older guys and things, but also... There's a lot of new guys, so it's it's kind of a mix of both. I it's I love the team, but it's hard to say if it feels like last year or not. When you look at this team, is it for you Omaha or bust? One hundred percent. I think there's a lot of people that are uh, are going to doubt us from the very beginning, just because they feel like you know we're ranked high because of last year. But I think we could be just as good, if not better, than last year. I love it though. You have to have that confidence. We talk about confidence in this podcast. You got to have it. As a fielder, as a hitter, when you have a weekend rotation that starts with Doug and Gunner and Derek Diamond being on Sundays, <laughs> what kind of confidence does that provide you guys, even if you're off one weekend and you only score two runs on a night, that you have a good chance to win? Is that a confidence Yeah, piece? I was really that same exact thing. Where you know, For some reason, we're not hitting that day. I have all the confidence in the world that Doug, Gunner, whoever's up there, they're going to get the job done. They compete so well. They're in my opinion, the two best pitchers, obviously, but um, I have all the confidence in the world and, and, and a lot of our pitchers, to be honest, but for sure, Doug and Gunner, those two guys, I just feel like in my eyes, I feel like if, if we score two, three runs in that game, um, they'll figure a way to get us a, a W. You only played 17 games. So for you, what's the biggest or greatest memory from last season? I would venture to guess it's probably when you spiked the ball, right? Um, yeah, I think so. But to me, I think my greatest 
or my best memory that I have, I think, was whenever um, I hit the double my first at bat the second game. But only because I thought that was my very first hit. But I did not know that I got a hit in the very first in the in the first game. Because I, I guess I just totally like blacked out that game. Had no idea what was going on. I was so nervous. And I remember in during quarantine, me and my dad were going over the games, and I was somehow yeah, like, you know, my first hit was that double against Bobby Miller. And he was like, "What are you What are you talking about?" And I was like, "What do you mean? I didn't get a hit the first game." <laughs> my dad was like, "Yes, you did." So then we had to go back and actually watch. <laughs> make sure that I got a hit because I really didn't think I did I guess I just totally forgot about it so the, my favorite memory is when I hit the double but it was only because I thought that was my first hit so it, it's kind of I don't know are you one of those people that nerves no matter what game it is always set in or for you once you get it out of your system and it's just playing ball the rest of the games you just go into it and nerves aren't really a factor no I think I mean well my very first game, that was the most nervous I'd ever been probably in my life. I couldn't eat the pregame meal like at all. I knew I was going to throw it up. But I think there's always pregame, you know, nerves, whatever, whoever we're playing. I don't think it matters to me. I'm always – it's like a excited nervous, though. It's not necessarily a bad nervous, if that makes any sense. You weren't a highly recruited guy, yet no. you made the biggest impact, you and Derek Diamond, I would say, of all of the newcomers last year. What was recruiting like? One guy who was a highly rated recruit is no longer with the team because of the success of you. What was your recruitment like? It's cliche to say I had a chip on my shoulder, but did you? Did you have a chip on your shoulder? I, I really do think uh, because I was so underrated coming into college, it actually helped me out even more. I think it's kind of been like that my whole life, just with my size and um, everything. I think a lot of people have looked, uh, looked over me, but for sure, uh, I came into it with a chip on my shoulder because I know, like I've had this conversation uh, with Coach Mack back in last fall. He was asking me uh, a couple of different things. And I was like, I know I'm not the biggest, I'm not the strongest, I'm not the fastest. So if there's one thing I can do, you know, just bring energy and positivity, confidence, whatever it is, I just need to, you know, try to prove myself. Because I knew there was a lot of people like who were who were coming to Ole Miss as well that were a lot high, highly uh, recruited than I was. But I didn't see it as if they were, better than me or anything like that. I just wanted to go out there and prove to, to honestly myself that I was, I was able to play there. Did what help with the success in the batter's box have to do with just hunting fastballs? Cause Clem has always talked about just don't miss the fastball. Did that play well to what you try to do when you're up there anyway? Yeah, I think that's basically been my approach. Um, even before I came to Ole Miss, I've always been pretty good with uh, hitting the fastball. So uh, yeah, I played <laughs> played pretty well into my game so I'm, I'm glad coach Clem is our hitting coach well last thing here and I'll let you go Swayze Field is obviously a great home field advantage for you guys and y'all feed off of that energy if there's limited capacity can y'all still get by can y'all still feed off of the energy whatever type of energy that is what will that be like for you guys and what does it mean to have the fans to have the right field to have left field to just have the experience when you're playing in it yeah I mean obviously we would love for every single person to be able to come it it it, it means a, almost probably more to us than it does to them whenever people come up and ask me for an autograph or a picture i just think that's you know the coolest thing and sometimes i, I ask myself like why are these people <laughs> wanting my autograph but uh, uh it does it does play a part for sure we definitely feed off their energy because um the swayze crazies and all that I, I it's just the atmosphere is like none other it's it is really cool i still think we'll be able to whether it's you know Whatever the percentage capacity it is, I think we'll still be able to um, feed off of it. But if we were able to have 
you know, a good amount of, of uh, fans back, that would just be so cool. All right, cool. So Ole Miss, Omaha, 2021 in June. I can go ahead and make my travel arrangements? Exactly. You got it. Okay. Hey, you heard it there. Peyton Chatney says, I can go ahead and book my hotel for Omaha because these Ole Miss Rebels, they're ready to go out and compete and make a run at the College World Series. Thanks for doing this, man. It's Peyton Chatney, Ole Miss infielder. Appreciate you, bud. We'll do it again. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co. 